Psalms chapter 23. Amen. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. The word of the Lord reads as follows. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord God, that you have saved us and that you, you have redeemed us and that you are our pastor, our shepherd. We magnify your name this wonderful afternoon because this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, we bless your holy name. And thank you for saving us, for redeeming us, for healing us, for uplifting us, for encouraging us, Lord God. For putting us back on track. For, for Lord, reminding us that we are a people of purpose, my Lord. Both individually and collectively as a body, as a tribe. Lord God, I thank you. We give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of God. I'm excited because... We're positioning ourselves uh, to, like Minister Mickey said, we have professionals here, but we're anointed. We'll, we'll get that in a moment. But we're anointed to be able to serve, but that's because of the Spirit of God in us and the Word of the Lord. And then, of course, we do our best. Now, if you're gifted in administration, the best thing you should do is go train yourself. Go to college. Become the resource in that area. And then you bring that gift and that talent to the Lord. Because it's unfair that God bless you and that God give you gifts and talents and all you do is heap it upon yourself. Somebody else needs you. You are somebody's answer. And here we are keeping it to ourselves and giving it only when we please. If that was the way it is, when Jesus was on the cross, he might have said, you know, I don't want to go on the cross because I'm not in the mood to do that right now. If that would have happened, nobody would have been saved. Nobody would have had an opportunity to reconnect with the Father because everybody had sinned. Everybody had fallen short and everybody had missed the mark of the high calling in God. And I appreciate that more and more of us are getting it. You are important. Say to your neighbor, you're important. You're anointed. You're gifted. You're somebody's answer. Come on, let them know that. It's vital that they know that. I'm looking at some of the stats at, at what's happening throughout the nation. I mean, our children and our youth are being bombarded by so many philosophies. What once, uh, what years ago we thought, uh, we said that the United States was a Christian nation. And we believed in God. We believed in the Ten Commandments. We believed in, in righteous living. We believe uh, that there are some things that are right, there are some things that are wrong. We believe in the word of the Lord as our anchor. But now, there are 195 million non-church people in America, making America one of the top four largest unchurched nations in the world. You hear what I'm saying? Here in America, where there's a chapel in every community, 195 million non-church people. 
In spite of the rise of quote-unquote mega churches, no county in America has a greater church population than it did 10 years ago. You know what's happening with a lot of these mega churches? It's not that they're growing, it's that a lot of people are leaving the smaller churches and going to the mega church because the mega church is offering more. Or they can go in there, get whatever they want in terms of benefit, and not have to give anything because the mega church provides for them. So it's not really church, real church, universal church growth. What it really is, is church transference. So the kingdom of God is not expanding, it's not growing. People are not coming to saving faith in Christ. It's just the same people swapping addresses, so to speak. During the last 10 years, combined communicant membership of all Protestant denominations declined by 9.5%, while the national population increased by 11.4%. Each year, 3,500 to 4,000 churches closed their doors forever, yet only as many as 1,500 churches, new churches are started. See, so what I'm seeing, I'm seeing a trend. Now, don't get me wrong. There is a great move of God happening. And more and more people are, are hearing God's heart. And we're once again saying, Lord, forgive us. We had gotten into our own little thing to such a degree that we forgot that we are truly people of purpose. And when we look at, at God's heart, we look at Psalms 23. He is our shepherd. And you see his heartbeat to all of humanity. We look at it how he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He wants you to get into a relationship with him to such a degree that you have no needs. That all your needs are being met. Amen. And you know where they're met? In the church. Amen. Because when Jesus died, rose again, and went to heaven, first thing he did, he established the church. So he could work through the church. So now instead of there being one shepherd, there's one shepherd, major shepherd, one main shepherd, and a lot of under shepherds. And there's a shepherding anointing. According to Ephesians chapter uh, 4, there's a shepherding anointing. So God puts in your heart the need to take care of somebody else. We appreciate uh, ministers Tony and Belinda. They are in the process of working with each and every one of us to form more small groups. So we can continue ministering to each other throughout the week. It's not enough that you just come here once a, a Sunday or maybe once every two Sundays or once a month. We need to be actively involved, not just hearing the word of the Lord, but praying together. Amen. Ministering to you and you ministering to me. Minister Tony, come here a second. Just want uh, you to give me an update. Give us, give us an update. What's happening with the small group ministry in this church? I'm, yeah, yeah, come, come. Come, my brother. Because I'm fired up about that. That's where we're going to do true ministry. The Sunday school is important. But all the peripheral ministry in the homes, uh, uh, the ministry to the young people, uh, the ministry in uh, small groups, they oversee helping to organize this church into small groups throughout the week so that we could do effective ministry where it's needed most, in the homes, in each one of our communities. Amen? So how are we doing with that? What's the process? Well, the process is the, the other group leaders that are, that are going to be initiating their own groups in their own homes and hopefully in a life group hosts, you know, some of your homes that you might open up that you might want a life group in. Um, we've got uh, Lourdes. She's already got her group up and running. Amen. She's rocking and rolling. We have Amisha and Mike coming up. Uh, Delmo and, and Julio are going to be on Saturdays, uh, starting, I believe, this Saturday. Um, and um, we've got Jessica and uh, Cynthia coming up uh, at, the end of this, at the end of this month. Um, so we have several groups that are popping up. By the end of this month, we should have one, two, three, plus our own. 
completely running by the end of the following month, it would be fourth. And then we have unplugged for the young people. So let's, let's thank God for that. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Praise God. Amen. And so what's going to happen is we're going to continue looking to opportunities to pretty much divide ourselves uh, in such a way that each nucleus throughout the week is ministering in different communities. Let me tell you, get ready because there are a lot of needs out there. And even as Mr. Mickey mentioned before, some of you have needs, but you're keeping it quiet. But in the small group setting, you'll be able to connect with somebody and they could pray you through. And if it's something larger, that maybe there have been times uh, where we've ministered, uh, gone to the hospital, ministered to somebody's uh, needs physically. Sometimes uh, there's a situation just about ready to kick out of an apartment and we kick in and help out. You don't know the level of ministry that is going to happen because of these initiatives. Thank you so much. Sir. Can I say one last thing? Yeah, absolutely. Since, uh, since this month's theme is evangelism, we're going to be spending the whole month working on learning about evangelism, how to do it, what it's all about. And since there are uh, five Thursdays in this month, we're actually going to take that last Thursday, and whoever's in a life group, we're going to hit the street and practice what we learned about evangelism. Amen. 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 Good. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Praise God. So I'm excited about that because, see, even though these are national stats, there are churches that are hearing God's heart. And now this thing is starting to change. More and more people are realizing, you know, I've been playing games too long. I've been playing flippity-jibbit much too long with my gifts and talents. God's been speaking to my heart. And some of you are here today. God's been speaking to you. and You've been going, what's that? What's that? <laughs> it's not time for that. There's just too much confusion, too much pain. Uh, you know, too many people need... And you know what I love about it? You don't have to be a theologian of the eighth year, so to speak. You just have to know how to love on people. Bring them back to the Word. Bring them back to the Heavenly Father. Amen? And they, as it said here in Psalms 23, I shall not want. In John chapter 10, verse 11, he said this, Jesus did, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he was a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. See, while he was alive, he was taking care of a group. He was the shepherd in his physical ministry. But he was saying that there are sheep that weren't there at that moment. He says, I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. You know what blows me away? We're part of that sheep. Amen. Or that flock rather. Amen. So right now, when he went to heaven, he gave gifts to men. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And part of that gifting is that pastoral presence. And we've made a mistake. We think that it's the one pastor of the church that does all the work. But according to Ephesians chapter 4, it says something different. It says the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are there to teach the body so that they can do the work. What's the work? Praying for the sick, opening up your homes, going to the hospitals. In other words, this job belongs to all of us. Um, so some of you just say it at least to three to five people. That job belongs to me too. Come on. Amen. It belongs to all of us. 
See, so, but here's the challenge. The challenge is we love the blessing, but we don't love the responsibility that comes with the blessing. We want to be blessed, but we don't want to be the blessor. We want the prophetic word, but we don't want to be the ones that are bringing that prophetic word to others. It's too much responsibility, too much trouble. See, but God is once again breathing upon our hearts. Hallelujah. And, you know, even as Minister Lewis mentioned, he says, we're going to go out there and we're going to evangelize. There's a problem with that. And the problem is, if you don't know who you are, you go out there and it'll bother you. Or you'll wait for the last moment to tell them you can't make it. Really? Because you don't understand the power that you hold. You don't understand the healing anointing that is resident within you right now. I remember years ago, I was new in the kingdom of God. I had just been saved maybe, I don't know, a couple of months. And I remember hearing the Lord speak to my heart to give a word to another person. And you know, it was a word, deep word. Just, I mean, really deep. Way beyond my pay grade at that time. You know what was the word? Tell her that I love her with an eternal love. So I was afraid. I didn't. Because I thought, as I, but it kept on. I mean, this thing kept on bubbling in me. Then the next, about two, three days later, all the whole group, the youth group gathered again. Boom, there she was again. Tell her that I love her with an eternal love. So I went up to her. I says, you know, I believe I heard the Lord say something for you. And it was the Lord said to let you know that he loves you with an eternal love. She, <laughs> she started breaking down. Started crying. Oh my God, did I say something wrong? She had been praying for God to speak to her because she was questioning God's love for her. So that's the word she needed to hear. Now, was I in fourth year Bible school? No. Was I a pulpit preacher at that time? No. I, I, I honestly hadn't really trained to be a preacher at that time. But God spoke to my heart. Something as gentle as the Lord loves you. It could be something as gentle as a prayer right on lunchtime. It could be something as gentle at home to lay your hands on your children and bless them. Or knock on the door to your neighbor. Is everything okay? You need some sugar or something like that? Let me pray for you before we close this door. It could be, you know, all these emails we send. I know here we don't waste our time with emails. None of you do. I know that. I just, I'm just so confident that you don't waste your time with email. Or FB. FB, right? Any FBers around here? There's two FBs. Okay, the altar's open right now. Y'all could repent. <laughs> I know there's at least 15 FBs right now. We could take that and utilize it in blessing others. But most of the time we don't. We'll talk about the latest hairdo, right? Shoes, or what that person's doing. You know, phone ministry, but now it's, it's email ministry. We put all our stuff, all our people's stuff out there, right? But very few times we'll take an email just to bless somebody. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 4 says this. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Talking about Jesus. He was the one that gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up. So part of our responsibility is to build somebody else. Who are you building up right now? Who are you mentoring right now? Where is your prayer list? I want to see the list of people that you're praying for right now. 
Who are those that your heart breaks for right now? I want to let you know something. If you catch God's heart and you start flowing with his heart and praying for others, God is going to do a series of miracles for you. But since we don't understand that, you know, we've, we've received what the world says. Give to me and then I'll give to you. No, the scripture says, be a blessing to others and then God will open up the door for you. Golden rule, do unto others as, as you would have them do unto you. It says, give and it will be given unto you. And in that context, it wasn't talking about offerings. It was talking about judging. It was saying, you know, judge not and you won't be judged. Give and it will be given unto you. Press down, shaken together, good measure. Running over shall men give unto your bosom. So if all we do is criticize others, we're giving what? Criticism? If we're, if we're giving gossip, it says give and it shall be given good measure. Press down, shaken together and running over. In other words, with the same measure that we give, it will be given back to us, Scripture says. So what are we giving? Are we giving ministry? Are we giving love? Are we giving friendship? Or are we giving horrible, nasty attitudes at work? I got no amen on that one. Suddenly everybody went, hallelujah, freedom. I suddenly don't like this service too much anymore. <laughs> hallelujah. But think about it. What are you sowing? And then we complain, oh, God doesn't love me. If he loved me, I wouldn't be going through this. No, no, no. He loves you so much, he gave you the measure for success. He gave you the pattern for success. He says, sow your success and you'll get your success. Sow your friendship and you'll get your friendship. Yeah, but pastor, you don't understand. I sowed friendship here and they rejected my friendship. It's okay. You sowed it. God didn't say that wherever you sow it to the person you sow, you'll get it back from them. you get it from somebody else, but you will get it back. Hallelujah. So if somebody rejects my friendship, you know what I say? I say, it's your loss. There's a commercial out there for the ladies. They're, they're showing off their hair, their free-flowing hair. At the end they go, because I am worth it. You remember that one? I would go. But you know, it has a measure of truth. So if you reject me, I'll take my stuff with me. I'll take the key. I have a key for you. I'll take it with me. And I'm saying, I'm worth it. And if you don't think, if you don't value who I am, no problem. I'll go to the next person. But I know God's going to bless me because I just finished offering it to you. I just finished offering my friendship, my love, my prayers. And the Bible says what I sow, I will receive. I might not get it from you. But you know what happened there? You lost your ability to get from me some spiritual substance that I have here for you. Say to your neighbor, I'm somebody's answer. Amen. You are a gift to many people. And if they reject you, hey, it's on them. It's not on you. Don't feel bad about that. I mean, maybe you could feel bad for them, but don't feel bad for yourself. Don't go through a pity party. Amen. You need to jo join the Holy Ghost party. Praise God. Today we had a little Holy Ghost party here. How, how, many of you, how many of you got a little uncomfortable when we started doing that? No, don't raise your hands. Just, you know. No, serious. When I first got to the church, I said, those people are crazy. But yet, I would go to parties on Friday, and they were doing the same thing, times 10. And they were getting filled by spirits. Well, that's what they call them, right? But then the problem was, come Sunday, they were sick. 
Most of the food that was there went out. Come Monday, they felt miserable. But we have a Holy Ghost party here. And we get filled with the Spirit. Amen. And come Monday, I'm fresh, I'm bubbly. I'm anointed, I'm happy, I'm joyous. Hallelujah. Amen. And the Bible says in verse, uh, verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service. So we got to get prepared. Then it says there, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole armor or measure of the fullness of Christ. So that we will no longer be infants, verse 14, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind and teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, joins and builds itself up in love as each part does the work. So Christ is the head shepherd. But we're, the, we're an extension of that shepherding ministry. Say to your neighbor, I am an extension of his love to the world. Say to somebody else, I am an extension of his love to the world. And if you carefully read Psalms 23 in your private time, notice it says that this shepherd brings the sheep to a place where they have no more need. He brings them to the place where they have peace. He brings them to the place where they could drink an ample supply of water, an ample supply of food, green pastures. So as an extension, not only should I be receiving that, I should be helping somebody else to get that too. When I was a teenager, I, I started working in tool and dye, in the tool and dye industry as an apprentice. That tool and die is a big machine in the factories that chomps the metal into little bits and it's a perfect replica of what needs, you know, like in staples and stuff like that. These big die machines that go chomp, 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 chomp. And it passes the, the big piece or flat piece of metal. It chomps through the process, gets chomped rather through the process. And at the end, it's a little small piece. And I was apprenticing there. Some of the guys there when I would go to them to learn their particular part of the craft, they would go like this. They didn't want me to know because they were intimidated that if I knew, I would replace them. So hence, they would not allow a younger person to come next to them and be mentored. That is one of the most selfish yes. mindsets and attitudes. You're not going to keep that thing forever, sir. Right? I mean, it's amazing. But yet God calls us to share what we have with others. And you know what I love about it? We become a conduit of blessing. A conduit is like a pipe. And the pipe carries water through the pipe from point A to point B. So my job is not to take the pipe or rather or to stop the pipe and stop the flow. My job is to allow the water to flow from point A to point B. Now me as a conduit, what happens? As a conduit, I get water too. I get as much water as I want. You, you understand my point? So I'm looking for people that I can touch. I'm looking for people that I can mentor. I'm looking for people that I can hand down something to. In the industry I work, you know, we, we, both of us, we work in a similar industry. That's what I do. If anybody wants some of my information, 
You know what I do? I give it. So come over. I'll teach you about boilers. I'll teach you about standpipe. I'll teach you about sprinklers. Come on, but I got to see something from you too. And if I see somebody hungry, I teach them. I don't hide it. And you know what I have found? Every time I teach it, I learn more myself. Every time I teach it, I just feel more fulfilled that I'm not, not only can I do it, I can run maybe this building or two or three buildings. I got now another guy that can run another building, another building. And as we're running the buildings, we're also praying for the people in that building. Amen. We're also serving those people with all of our hearts. Amen. Amen? Amen? If I had more stuff, I would give it too. But what's your gift? What do you know? Who are you mentoring right now? Who are you helping? You know, you should have several people in your life. You should have a Timothy, somebody younger than you, I mean, stuck to your side that you're training, that you're passing on everything to for a future generation. You should also have a Paul, somebody older that you're picking from, that you're learning from. How many here have already learned all that there is to learn? Anybody? 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 It, it's just not going to happen. No, I'm still learning. 52, I just, I just finished graduating just the other day. Amen. Yeah. I graduated again. Got another certificate. And guess what? I just took another course that I just finished this past Thursday, and I want to graduate again. Amen. Uh, listen, I love it. Each and every step, I get more stronger. Each and every step, I get more powerful in terms of the knowledge that I possess. And something interesting happens. I get people come up to me. Well, since you got that now, we have more work for you. At a higher pay scale. Oh, I like that. That's anointed. When I hear that, higher pay scale, something happens. I get, se me paran los pelos. My hairs stand on end. I just, ooh, what an anointing I felt. <laughs> Amen. But that happens. Why? Because I dared to apply myself. I'm not saying I'm the best. I'm just saying I'm the best me that I can be. So say that to your neighbor. Be the best you that you could be. Amen. Praise God. And I love the fact I look at this church, I see 30s, 40s, 50s, but I also see 20s. I also people, I see young people in their single digits. I see a couple of months. This one's already trying to out-preach me. A <laughs> couple of years, sir. A couple of years. You got it. I'll, I'll hand it over to you. With, by the time you're, you're adult, I'll hand it over to you. Well, yeah, we always have to pass the baton down. But we don't do it at 80. We do it now. How old are you? Now it's time to pass some of what you have. And guess what? You also get to keep what you have. But now you just finish multiplying your effectiveness. So as the head shepherd ministers, now you realize, you know, I have a part of that anointing. How is it going to manifest? Maybe administratively. Maybe logistically. Maybe you are a preacher or teacher. Maybe you're a person that has a mercy gift. Maybe you're a person that's a gatherer. It doesn't make a difference. You are important. You are vital. You are unique. Let's say to your neighbor, you are unique. God anointed you in such a way that you'll be useful the way God made you. Last thing I want to say is that it took me a while to realize the importance of my individuality. The importance of how God made me to be. My perspective is unique. In, the, in, the, in my younger days, I wanted everybody to see it my way. Anybody here <laughs> had that same issue? If we don't see it his way, you got a problem. If you don't see it her way, you've got a problem. And I married somebody just like that too. Yeah, I, I see it my way and she sees it her way. So in our early days, we got married young. 
got married at 19, Luke. 19 years old. We got married, yeah. 19 years old. And so after the honeymoon, we had a lot of fun. Tony, we had a lot of fun. We had a great honeymoon. And when we came back, then came reality. And it wasn't a reality show, it was reality. <laughs> and we fought. We fought like cats and dogs. Oh, yeah. Lots of intense fellowship during those days. But you know what I finally realized? I finally realized I didn't have to prove to her my point. She has her own opinion. And now, 32 years later, I'm all right with it. I'm just okay with it. She disagrees with me probably. What's the percentage that you disagree with me? Maybe 99. <laughs> hey, Delma, behave. But, but it's true. And it's entirely okay. I don't want a yes person next to me. We see things very differently from different perspectives, I guess. You guess? After 32 years? No guess. It is a fact. <laughs> and it's okay. I wouldn't have it any other way. I enjoy that. I enjoy her individuality most of the time. <laughs> I mean, I enjoy her. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is it's okay. And that's the way God made it to be. If we were exactly the same, we'd be, I mean, what, a, what type of, we'd be boring. Be boring. But it's exciting. Well, I enjoy her perspective. We talk about ministry. We talk about life. We talk about our children. We talk about business. And many times I've learned that she has things in her that help me to be a better me. And she has said the same thing about me. There are some things, believe it or not, yeah, there's some things that I have that help her. Bless her too. She has said that to me every once in a while. She does. I said, for the most part, we do agree with basically everything, but there's some things that we're... Well, don't try to smooth this down. Come on, come on. Don't try to smooth it down. Now. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, it's wonderful. But you see, God made us that way. But for most of my young life, I wanted to try to prove to people my viewpoint. I realized it was a mistake. And then another thing was that I tried to be like that other person because I liked that better than what was in me. So I had to learn how to appreciate who God made me to be. I had to appreciate my voice. I had to appreciate my unique anointing. I had to be settled in that. I had to actually go to God and say, God, thank you that you made me this way. Amen. And now years later, I realized, man, I wasted a lot of time trying to be somebody else when I should have been the best me I should be from the beginning. So for all you in your teens and your 20s, listen, stop that nonsense of trying to be like Lady Gaga. It's not going to work. First and foremost, everybody's unique. And boy, is that woman unique. <laughs> I find it's mostly an act. It's a brand, honestly. It's, it's good business. You know, I'm sure in her private life, she's a lot different than she, what she purports to be. But the point is, she's unique, but so are you. So if you try to be Gaga, you will, that's exactly what you'll be. You'll become Gaga. You'll become insane. Or bad imitation. But yet, if you start identifying, you know, praying to God, asking God to give you wisdom and understanding concerning the perspective He's placed in you, concerning the unique anointings that you have inside of you, the unique giftings, you will find that God will start speaking to you because He's your creator. He's your provider. He's the one that will give you wisdom. And then He'll show you from your unique vantage point how you have been called to be a blessing to the nations. 
And it starts one person at a time. So in conclusion, at the end it says in Psalms 23, it says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and mercy. I pray that every day. Say this with me. Say goodness, goodness. and mercy. mercy. Follow me. Every day. day. Learn to pray that. You know why you want to pray that? Because it's not that it's not true. It's not that it's true if you only say it. You need to convince yourself of it. Because we wake up, we're worried, we're stressed out. We're afraid many times. We're uncertain. All I need to know is that today, goodness and mercy will follow me. And tomorrow, goodness and mercy will follow me. And the next day, goodness and mercy will follow me. God's goodness and God's mercy follow me every day. Because of that, I know, even if I have to go through a difficulty, His goodness and His mercy are there with me, and somehow or another, He's going to turn that thing around. And if some of you need a situation to be turned around, right? You've done it so long in your own might, now it's time to allow God in your life, in your heart. It's time for you to start confessing God's word instead of confessing death, doom, gloom, despair. It's time to start confessing His goodness for you and His goodness through you. Amen? The greatest relationship we can ever have is a personal relationship with Almighty God through Christ Jesus. And allow His mercy and His grace and His goodness to follow you every day of your life.